Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. We've had a lot of new people find the show recently. I'm not too sure how you found the show, but lots of great messages. So thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And if you're a continuing listener, I hope you know how much I think you're awesome. You're awesome. Okay, last week on the show, it was a solo episode where I was sharing some tactics on ways that you can get people to actually show up for your workshops without using the word mandatory. So just riffing off some ideas that I've tried in the past and it really is a lot of the time about experimenting. And that's what I'm doing today. This is a really quick snippet episode and I decided to basically throw it into the moment with using the energy that was carried by what I saw. What do I mean by that? Well, I've interviewed Jan Keck on the show previously. He was a guest on episode 156, where we talked about having conversations that matter. Now, something you may not know about Yarn is that he's an awesome YouTube channel like Yuri the Magic Source, where they just share like the most, most amazing facilitation techniques and things you can do with Zoom. Yarn's taken it a step further. He has created something that I call pillar content, which is something that's going to be very helpful for your audience. I'll let Jan share what that is, but basically if you've been on any type of Zoom call or you're working with clients that aren't comfortable with Zoom, that are moving from a different platform or generally just aren't used to Zoom in terms of they don't facilitate sessions, so they're not on it all the time like like we are, <laughs> like I'm on it all the time. I don't know, I reckon I've stacked up thousands of hours, not even exaggerating over Zoom in the last year. But for people that are new to Zoom, this is the perfect tool for them. So I'll let Jan explain what it all is. Um, you can find Jan at yarnkek, J-A-N-K-E-C-K.com. And we'll put a link to this awesome resource in the show notes for this one at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 163. And of course, if you're curious around Jan's story, it's, it's fascinating how he discovered the world of facilitation and what he does now. Tune into episode 156. It was quite recent, our talk, and it's great to bring him back. Like always, you can continue the conversation when the podcast is over. Join our community of over 1,300 facilitators from all over the world, sharing their ideas, asking great questions. Just search for The Flip Chart in Facebook or again, check out the show notes. And if you'd like to support my coffee addiction and my idea creation, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Leanne Hughes to support the show. Okay, now let's hear from Jan and see what he's got to share with all of you. Hey, Jan, thank you so much for returning to the First Time Facilitator podcast. It's great to have you back. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, of course. And this is actually just a spur of the moment podcast mini episode coming to First Time Facilitator listeners because Jan has done something pretty incredible. And uh, when I saw what he did, I'll get him to explain it in his own words very soon, but he's, he's solving a problem for all of us facilitators that run sessions on Zoom. Jan, can you explain... Uh, first of all, what prompted you to, to create uh, what we're about to share with listeners? Well, I had the same problem that all the other facilitators have, which is, um, especially when I was running sessions in the beginning of the pandemic, most people were not familiar with Zoom. They didn't know how to join. And if people join with the wrong device, they might not get the best experience if they can't find a certain button. There's a lot of tech challenges that you as a facilitator, or if you're lucky, you have a co-host that can then deal with it, but it always slows down, uh, slows you down from getting to your content, to your facilitation. So 
I started writing in the beginning, it was like a paragraph. Hey, if you've never used Zoom, here's like a link to a Zoom tutorial that is on Zoom's website. Uh, here you can join like a test call. You can make sure your audio is working. Um, and that paragraph just got longer and longer until it was like an email template that I would make sure to send out that ended up being part of my um, like event listings on Eventbrite. And uh, then I started working with some organizations and they actually asked me, hey, can you create some video tutorials that we can send to our participants ahead of time? So I did that. So I had all of these materials and I always felt when I needed it, I didn't know where it was. Mm -hmm. um, so putting it all together on one page, which now is become the Zoom guide for participants um, that I just shared this week, uh, is like, I just have to share that link and it has everything. And if I want to direct people to a specific part of that page, I can do that, but I know it's always there and it's something that I can use, but also then I made it available to everyone else because I'm not the only one who is struggling with this, I think. Absolutely not. No, no, no. And I've certainly had workshops where for the, you're absolutely right about it, slowing people down. And it also creates, I mean, what we want at the beginning of our workshops is, some, is well, our participants want a level of certainty and like they know what they're doing. And, and I've been in situations where people don't know that and you can just feel the energy of the workshop. So it's, it's a bit shaky. You're not starting it on like really solid foundations. So this process, so this has been like a year in the making, this, this article where you've like just linked everything in. Well, in a way, yes, but like specifically working on that article was, uh, let's say, the last three weeks. And I was really lucky to have uh, one of my team members, Sherry Anderson, kind of step up and write it. And she's a great writer. Like if you read it, it actually feels like you can read the whole page without it feeling like it's a lot of technical language, although it pretty much is tutorials like step one, do this, step two, do this. Um, so that was a good mix of making it hopefully also a little bit more accessible for someone who's, uh, who's not like a tech expert. Yeah, it isn't. It, it feels, it's really nice. It's flowy, but there's lots of screenshots and people probably think, oh yeah, and this is just a promo thing for Dion Singh. And it absolutely is because it's that good. It's free. It's available for you. So I just wanted to be very clear with all listeners. This is, this is the resource. It's much better than anything on Zoom's website. Um, you, as you said, it's very accessible and easy to, easy to follow. Um, I just wanted to give people an insight into what it takes to create content like this. Because I, when I look at what you've um, done with this yarn, it's, it's something that I call pillar content. So it's just one, one topic that's gone, you've gone super deep on it. And I think as, a, as a, someone looking at it and browsing it, you think, oh, yeah, this is fine. But the amount of effort, you said three weeks it took, but also like a year of learning, a year of you putting videos together. Um, how did you decide with your, oh, yeah. with your team, team partner, like what, what would go in and what wouldn't, priorities? Like oh, even those are, are tough decisions to make. Yeah. Um, well, we started with an outline that then became the table of contents of like, here's the things that I think need to be in it because I... I always need to tell people this, or I, I do think this is like required knowledge, um, like making sure that you are like what app to use to, to, to join the Zoom meeting. Because often when I facilitate, when I do training and workshops, I want people to have a larger screen. So if they have access to a laptop, that will give them a much better experience than if they're on a small phone or a tablet. So writing that out and then also knowing that they need to use the Zoom app and download it rather than using it through the browser because you're missing some functionality if you don't. Uh, those were things that I knew had to be in it because I remind my participants about that all the time. But then it was 
organizing it, doing like the first version. Uh, there was a bunch of reviews internally, but then we also I also posted it to my community, to a couple of Facebook groups before it actually was done uh, to get their input. And that was a really interesting process because we received a lot of feedback about little details that we weren't thinking of right from the beginning. And uh, also having a diverse group of people reviewing it was really helpful. Did you feel a bit like when you put it out there to the world, were you like, oh, like how are you feeling when you posted that sort of first draft out to a few of the Facebook groups? Um, because I have a background in video editing or doing video work where somehow it's become this thing where you share an unfinished product uh, and you ask people to criticize it and then you finish it rather than finishing it so you're happy and then you show it to people. Oh. Like which artist would show a half finished painting that doesn't have the colors yet, just a sketch and ask their audience, hey, what do you think? Which colors do, I, do you think I should put? Like that's what I felt with video editing the process is. So um, putting out an unfinished product, I think I've, I've learned that um, number one, everybody has different feedback and you don't have to like listen to everything. Like there's a lot of things that people requested where I'm like, no, we're not gonna implement that. Or where they said, uh, where they said this has to be in it and actually they were wrong. It got changed within Zoom like recently. So their information wasn't up to date. But then there's other things like, um, one person said the the graphic needs to be more inclusive and show like people from different backgrounds, different skin colors. It was not a hard thing to change, but something that I wasn't paying attention to. Yeah. I was paying attention to so many other things as well. Um, but it made so much sense. Like once I read that, I'm like, of course, now, <laughs> now we can implement that. So like, yeah. Yeah, I guess what you were doing with this article was taking a really facilitative approach to it, like putting out something, putting out a concept, getting feedback, getting the group collective um, energy. And yeah, you're absolutely right. When you're so deep into something as well, it's really hard to step outside and then see it with new eyes. That's the value of bringing other people in. So what are you hoping yeah. this article does for your fellow facilitators? Um, I hope it, that it saves time. I think that's the biggest thing because it will save time for myself of, like I said, not having to rewrite that email every time and trying to piece it together. I can just either like copy paste something from that page or um, because the table of contents is actually uh, clickable, I can just create a link that takes people straight to the section about, let's say, breakout rooms. And like that was one of the main things that I started to add when uh, we used the self-selected breakout rooms because Zoom is not having the most user-friendly design yet with their how to find the join button when you let participants choose their own room. So I always do a tutorial in the meeting, but if I send that ahead of time and people watch it and they have already seen it once, then by the time I do the demo and then we actually do it, they're much more likely to succeed and we can actually do the activity that we want to do. Yeah, that's right. Like you're not, cause it seems like every time you get on a Zoom call, you're doing like, there's like a bit of onboarding. And so mm -hmm. hopefully this, well, yeah, eliminates. Well, I actually haven't even done self-selected breakout rooms yet. So now I'm, I guess for me, um, hearing that, I'm like, oh, great. I can just, now I'm very confident. Plus having those clickable links in the article, just, hey, go to this article, click this, and you'll be able to, to go there. I think you can even, I mean, with those internal links on a page, sorry, sorry I'm getting very technical here, but can you do direct links to those? Yeah, like yeah. I think everything on the page, each section is linked by, it's like, yankek.com slash zoom guide and then i think the hash hashtag and then breakouts might get Amazing. you break straight to the breakout section 
Um, so if you just take the link from the table of contents and you copy that, that you can share in an email or a message directly. Yeah, cool. I'm going to add this to my text expander as a shortcut, your article link. <laughs> so. Awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah, I yeah. think that like what I really want people to do and like I was thinking, should this be uh, something that I do like an opt-in form for? Like I also created a, a cheat sheet that is like four pages, a PDF that is like the most important things. And I was like, should I ask people to put the email in there and then like collect email addresses? But in a way, I'm not really interested in getting participants' email addresses mm -hmm. from people from like the people that attend somebody else's event. Like it's not really valuable to me. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather want this to be a resource for other facilitators so they can use it. And it's like just there's no as as little barriers as possible. Like it's still a really long page, and it takes some time to load all the images and everything. Mm. Um, but at least uh, anyone who needs to get access to the information can do it pretty easily. Yeah, it's super generous of you to do that. There's always that temptation of the email addresses, but I like that you talk about the intention around it and like, are they my actually my target audience? Um, but I guess by you, you doing this, I mean. I'll be certainly be driving traffic your way. I think a lot of listeners on this call will be like, get me that cheat sheet. So where can they find it? Uh, so it's jankeck.com slash Zoom guide. And Jan is spelled with a J-A-N. Um, and maybe I should come up with a with a better shortcut link that doesn't include uh, people having to know how to spell my name. <laughs> well, it will also be in the show notes for this episode. So yeah, um, yeah we'll pop a link in there and um, you'll see it in the flip chart, no doubt. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be absolutely sharing it. Um, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, for our listeners that are accessing this or just general Zoom tips? Actually, I will say one thing to you before you answer that. Um, I watched one of your latest videos about live transcripts and it's amazing. So I've been hopping on calls and getting um, even, the, even podcast interviews and doing live trans transcriptions within Zoom. Um, and if you want to know how to do that, we'll pop a link to Jan's video. It's an amazing feature of Zoom now. We don't have to send things off for third-party tools. We can get quotes. We can get notes. It's it's all available within Zoom, which is, I, I think that's my favorite upgrade so far. Yeah. One one tip that, that stands out to me is the um, when a presenter is sharing slides, participants can adjust the size of the presentation versus the speaker or the gallery view. And it's often really hard to show once people are in Zoom. Mm -hmm. So I created an animated GIF that is on the page where you actually see it moving left and right. And I'm hoping by just seeing that visual, it'll be so much easier to, uh, for, for participants to know. I'm also probably going to include that in a presentation if I want like, to show it while we're doing a live Zoom uh, event or workshop. Um, yeah. But just like that. Writing these animated GIFs, I, I'm like, that. that is going to help so much. The same thing for finding the breakout room button. Like those are animated GIFs on the page. So it actually shows hopefully really quickly where to find that. That's so cool. I actually made my first Giphy yesterday. Um, so if anyone wants to know, yeah, you can, there's apps that do it. You just upload like a, a short second video and it turns it into that. And that's a really cool thing you can do as well. Um, is share those easily um, on your, whatever you're presenting, have that Giphy on and it doesn't suck up as much energy as say a video would. Jan, I'm like I said, I'm, I got your email about this cheat sheet uh, straight on to you saying we need to talk about it. We need to share the love with our fellow facilitators. Thank you so much for putting this together. Um, yeah, we'll pop a link to everything in the show notes for this one. Well done to you and your team. 
Nice. I will I will let Sherry know uh, that it's appreciated. And if anybody ends up using this, uh, send me a note. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah, do. Yeah. We need like a tweetable for you, like a hashtag. Yarn Zoom yeah. sheet or something. Create create something and we'll, we'll share that. We can all sort of share how we're using <laughs> it. Thanks, Jan. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the First Time Facilitated Podcast. You can show the podcast some love by just sharing it with your friends or anyone that needs a bit of facilitation help. Or you can hit subscribe in your podcast player of choice and leave a review. The best way to a podcaster's heart is through a review. Chat to you next week. Bye.